the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia pulls troops away from Kyiv. We've, we've seen them begin to reposition less than 20%. Our assessment. The investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop broadens. Hunter Biden and James Biden served as the perfect vehicle. Border Patrol agents brace for chaos at the end of asylum limitations. You can expect things to get a whole lot worse if and when Title 42 drop. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, March 31st. I'm Mike Scott. U.S. intelligence officials believe that Russian President Vladimir Putin is being misinformed by advisors about his military's poor performance in Ukraine, according to the White House. Advisors are scared to tell him the truth, the intel says. The findings, recently declassified, indicate that Putin is aware of the situation on information coming to him, and there is now persistent tension between him and senior Russian military officials. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was asked if he agrees with U.S. officials who believe the Russian president is being misled by top military advisors. One of the Achilles heels of autocracies is that you don't have people in those systems who speak truth to power or who have the ability to speak truth to power. Uh, And I think uh, that is something that we're seeing in Russia. At a briefing, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says it appears Russia is pulling troops away from Kyiv to reorganize. Our assessment would be, as we said yesterday, that uh, that they're going to refit these troops, uh, resupply them, uh, and then probably employ, employ them elsewhere in Ukraine. Kirby says he would describe the movements of a portion of Russian troops around Kyiv as repositioning, not withdrawal. If the Russians were really serious about de-escalating and, and uh, the way they spun this yesterday, um, that they're trying to take the pressure off, well, then send them home. And that's not what they're doing, at least not yet. Kirby does admit a small portion of Russian forces near Kiev have moved away. I don't know that I'd say all of them moved out. We've, we've seen them begin to reposition less than 20 percent, our assessment at, at, on you know today, Um, And we think some of them, not all, but some of them have already moved into Belarus. Meanwhile, Ukrainian parliament member Anastasia Radina says they need fighter planes, air support systems and tanks to push Russia back. The only option to actually receive peace in Ukraine would be for Ukraine to be able to clear our land of Russian troops. And for that, we need all kinds of weapons, including fighter jets. Radina also says she wants allies to abandon the distinction between defensive and offensive weapons. For Ukraine, promises or discussions or any other kinds of, frankly, inaction are not helpful anymore. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss the importance of America's military budget 
in the face of autocrats like the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, and how the U.S. should arm Ukraine. This is not a time to hold back on support for the military, as we see not just what's going on in Ukraine, but all around the world. We need a strong national defense. And Biden's budget, it's not serious about assisting our men and women in uniform. It's not serious about deficit reduction. It will raise the deficit by over one and a half trillion dollars. It's a shell game. It's budget gimmicks. Um, his plans are costly, they're unpopular, and most certainly they are unrealistic. So again, as it goes back and applies to uh, the Department of Defense, it really is a flat budget for our national defense, especially when we see what's going on around the world. It's very important that we focus on national defense. Ernst goes on to say that while America approves of arming Ukraine, the equipment is taking too long to reach the front lines. What they stated was that, yes, you may have approved all of this, but it's trickling into the country. So somewhere, somehow, someone is controlling how much we are dispersing into Ukraine at certain times. And I understand. And the women in this Ukrainian civil society, these leaders, they stated quite clearly they said it. I didn't. They said it. You have Afghanistan syndrome. So Ernst explains what is meant by Afghanistan syndrome. What we are projecting on that country is that we don't want to put too many weapons and equipment into the country because what if it falls? The Russians will be able to get a hold of the equipment. But my argument in this case because this is a very different scenario, would be we need to provide that equipment. If we don't, most certainly Ukraine will fall to Russia. But if we provide it, the Ukrainians can win. Burns says that while we arm Ukraine, we need to make sure our own defenses are taken care of. As we are providing drones, javelins, stingers, we also need to make sure that we are able to backfill in our own inventory and get the lines that produce those types of munitions, get them up and going. Um, because what we don't want to do is provide all of this into Ukraine. We want them to win, but then leave ourselves at jeopardy. Violent attacks continue in Israel. Five were shot dead by a Palestinian gunman near Tel Aviv on Tuesday making it the third such attack in Israel within a week. Police uh, who uh, found him, shot him, killed him, and stopped this massacre. Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas condemned the attack on Israeli civilians in a statement that said the killing of Palestinian and Israeli civilians only leads to further deterioration of the situation, especially approaching the holy month of Ramadan and Christian and Jewish holidays. In Jerusalem, there have been at least three stabbing attacks since the start of the month against Israelis, while in the West Bank, at least nine Palestinians have been shot and killed in clashes with Israeli forces in recent weeks. Israeli Ambassador to the UN, Danny Dannon, joined ABC News to discuss the attacks. We experienced a brutal attacks within a week, three attacks on the streets of Israel, 11 innocent uh, People died from those attacks. And, you know, we expected uh, to see something because usually before the month of Ramadan, 
which will start uh, on Saturday, uh, we know that there is tension. The radicals tend to incite in the masks, and unfortunately, a small minority follow uh, their uh, sermons and conduct violence. But we didn't expect to see uh, such a wave, a border wave of terrorism. When asked if he believes the recent Israel-Arab summit incited the attacks, Dannon had this to say. I don't think there is a connection between the summit, the summit brought to Israel, the moderate voices that want to work together and, uh, and fight terrorism together. But uh, I think uh, we have to look at what's happening in the Palestinian Authority today. We heard President Abbas, uh, and uh, we welcome uh, what he said about the attack. But at the same time, he still pays terrorists families, thousands of dollars, and he still glorified terrorism. Dannon has an idea on what the Israeli government will do to try and curb the violence. What we are doing now, we are taking measures to protect ourselves, and I believe that the military will have to, to be more involved. We will see more forces on the ground. We will see the security services uh, starting to conduct arrests in order to prevent future attacks. Uh, and unfortunately, Few of the terrorists are Arab Israelis, full citizens of Israel that are being indoctrinated by radical Muslims and today taking part in this terror attack. Even more new Hunter Biden documents. Senate Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Chuck Grassley took to the Senate floor Tuesday night to give a taste of new information about Hunter Biden's deep business and family ties to communist China. Grassley took to the Senate floor to highlight some of those documents. Hunter Biden and James Biden served as the perfect vehicle by which the communist Chinese government could gain inroads here in the United States. Catherine Herridge, senior investigative correspondent for CBS, says that the scope of the FBI's probe into Hunter Biden is larger than initially realized. The probe is exploring whether the younger Biden and his associates violated tax, money laundering, and foreign lobbying laws. Harridge goes on to say that Hunter Biden was paid $1 million to act as an attorney for a Chinese energy company. A $1 million retainer was signed with the Chinese energy company for Hunter Biden's services as a lawyer. His client, a CEFC official, Patrick Ho, was later convicted of international bribery and money laundering charges for unrelated work in Africa. Back in 2020, Hunter Biden was interviewed by CBS's Anthony Mason and claimed his father never benefited from his position at the Chinese energy firm. Have you ever given your father money from any of your business ventures? No. Nothing? Nothing. Directly or indirectly? Directly or indirectly. Fox Business's Dagan McDowell says that it is her opinion that the Hunter Biden story will not go away. It, it appears as if that certainly Biden Incorporated and all those working inside that corporation, if you will, just thought that this story would go away because you had Twitter and other large technology companies running cover for this family. And just the, the fact that the New York Times finally printed its own confirmation that the laptop wasn't Russian disinformation, but belonged to Hunter Biden. Now they, the, they're struggling. This family is going to continue to struggle and those in government because this story is not going away. 
The Biden administration is expected to end the asylum limits at the U.S.-Mexico border by May 23rd that were put in place to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The decision, not yet final, will halt the use of public health powers to absolve the United States of obligations to provide haven to people fleeing persecution and would apply to all asylum seekers. White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield says the administration is planning for when asylum limits at the U.S.-Mexico border are lifted. We have every expectation that when the CDC ultimately decides it's appropriate to lift Title 42, there will be an influx of people to the border. And so we are doing a lot of work to plan for that contingency. Bettingfield says it's the Centers for Disease Control that will decide when the administration ends the asylum limits at the U.S.-Mexico border, known as Title 42 authority. Title 42 is a public health directive. It is not an immigration or migration enforcement measure. So the decision on when to lift Title 42, we defer to the CDC. Fox News correspondent Bill Malugan reporting from the southern border says Border Patrol agents are preparing for chaos. Border agents tell us you can expect things to get a whole lot worse if and when Title 42 drops, which we are hearing from DHS sources is expected to happen just in a matter of days. Malugan goes on to explain what Title 42 is and what it does. Title 42 allows migrants to be immediately expelled back to Mexico. Malugan goes on to say that DHS is not prepared to deal with an influx of border crossings once the provision of Title 42 is allowed to expire. Border Patrol has used this 1.7 million times. And just yesterday, a group of Texas lawmakers sent a letter to DHS and HHS urging DHS, do not drop Title 42. They say DHS is not ready for the surge that would come with it. They say DHS does not have the capacity to handle the surge. And the small towns at the border communities would not be able to handle the inevitable mass releases that would come with the end of Title 42. Malugan explains that Border Patrol agents predict that things will get very bad very quickly. Every border agent we've been talking to tells us if Title 42 drops, you can expect a surge on top of a surge and total chaos at the border because they say word will get around with the migrants that if they try to cross, they're not going to get sent back immediately and you're going to see a huge rush on the border. Is a recession on our horizon. The bond market just flashed a warning sign that has correctly predicted almost every recession over the past 60 years, an inversion of the U.S. Treasury note yield curve. Julia Chatterley of CNN Business explains why the bond market has many experts worried about a coming recession. An inverted yield curve. It's a warning signal with an eerily accurate track record for predicting future recessions. So what exactly is an inversion and why does it matter? Well, in plain terms, during a so-called inversion, investors get paid better interest rates to lend money for a shorter period of time than a longer one. Chatterley goes on to explain why shorter-term yield bonds become more attractive to investors than stocks. When the yield curve inverts, a shorter-term bond, like the two-year Treasury note, pays more than a longer-term bond, like the 10-year note. So when investors get nervous, they put more money into government bonds for safety, because unlike stocks, the returns are pretty much guaranteed. Chatterley also says that when yield curves invert, recessions historically follow. 
here's the big fear about the inverted yield curve. The last five times there's been an inversion, a recession has followed, not always right away. In fact, historically, it's been more like 12 to 18 months later. The curve inverted briefly Tuesday for the first time since September of 2019. Tuesday's inversion lasted only minutes. The previous inversions lasted months at a time. Meantime, the private sector gained 455,000 jobs between February and March, according to a March ADP National Employment Report. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has more on that story. Most of the jobs, about 377,000, were in service-providing fields like transportation, business services, financial activities, education, and hospitality. Goods-producing jobs accounted for roughly 79,000 jobs in areas like manufacturing and construction, according to ADP. The additional jobs and declining unemployment rates may have contributed to increases in consumer confidence in March, despite inflation concerns. This month, consumer confidence rose to 107.2, up from 105.7 in February. Bernie Bennett in Washington. And finally, a NASA astronaut caught a Russian ride back to Earth on Wednesday after a U.S. record 355 days at the International Space Station, returning with two cosmonauts to a world torn apart by war. The safe landing of one American astronaut and two Russian cosmonauts happened in Kazakhstan. Touchdown. Touchdown confirmed at 6.28 a.m. Central Time, 7.28 a.m. Eastern Time, 5.28 p.m. at the landing site. Mark Vandehei and Pyotr Dubrov back home one year after leaving the planet. Immediately after returning to Earth, NASA astronaut Mark Vandehei had this to say. Hey, hello everybody. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.